0: Welcome to Five or Flop, a podcast for the best and worst historical fiction has to offer. I'm your host, Grace.
1: And I'm Erin, and each week we'll be reading a different historical fiction book to see if there are five or a flop.
0: Our theme this season for season one is reading around the world, so we're hitting two books per continent, and we've made our first trip around, so we're starting back at the beginning. This week we're visiting Europe again, and we're reading The Spy by Paulo Coelho.
1: Yes, and this book is takes place mostly in France, but also a bit Germany, a bit Indonesia as well.
0: A bit the Netherlands, but for the main part of it, we're considering it France. Yes. And not to spoil too much, that's a disservice to France, and that's all I'll say for now.
1: Yes, and we'll get into our thoughts on this one.
0: Erin, how was your week?
1: My week was good. I've been pretty busy with work. Um, Nothing too exciting going on.
0: While you were gone, I didn't have anyone to hang out with and talk about books with. So I had to fill my days with something. And what I filled it with was following the Iron Flame drama on TikTok. Have you seen this? No. Okay. so as we mentioned in our first one or two episodes, I recently was reading Fourth Wing. Yes. And I don't think I ever disclosed how I felt about it, because I hadn't finished it at the time. But my disclosure is I didn't like it. (laughs) Um, If you did, that's fine. If you liked it, whatever. I didn't like it at all. I thought it Grace was... Grace
1: is actually not enrolling in Dragon College anymore.
0: I am so sorry. I thought it was poorly written. It was not my favorite. However, while you were gone, the sequel came out. The highly oh. anticipated sequel. And like these are like 600 page books. Yeah. And Fourth Wing came out this year. I was like, going to say,
1: it was recent, right? I was going to say,
0: the, the gap between books was very short. And so people start getting their Iron Flame special editions... And they're full of like typos, they're (gasps) full of misprints. Like, there's parts where like sections of pages will be upside down, there's some where the ending was printed in the front. Holy shit. There's somewhere the book looks completely normal, but if you take the dust jacket off, on the spine it says fourth wing instead of iron flame. Oh my god. Yeah. So I have been eating this shit up with a spoon. That is
1: so funny. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: honestly, I think that the fans are taking it in good stride. Like, I think that if they like the book, they're fine. Yeah. Like, I've seen people be like, oh, I ordered two copies and both of them are normal. I wanted one with a mistake in it, you know? um that is funny but it's from like a smaller publisher and they super blew up with oh yeah so i think that they just just not prepared well i think they just sent out orders to a lot of different like factories to get all the books they needed printed and some wires got crossed and now there's a bunch of books with with different errors in them because that's the thing it's not like one misprint in all of them Shit. yeah so i have been following that very closely i guess that'll date a little bit when we recorded this. Yeah, because the thing it's, I
1: just got back from Japan, too, also. We do not record these in order, and we do not record one every week.
0: No, we record them together. We record on a regular schedule. Our schedule um, is
1: determined solely by the availability of the recording studio of the DC Public Library. And
0: how fast we can finish the books, which, spoiler, Erin finishes them way before I do, and then I get <laughs> nervous that I'm being too slow. No,
1: you just read more other books at the same time. Um, so, yeah, I know we've both been focused pretty much on... Catching up on books for the pod. We've
0: been on our grind. Um,
1: spoiler, at least for me, there's definitely another flop coming this season.
0: Mm-hmm. I think though we have our biggest flop so far oh, today, yeah.
1: and that is very exciting because we've been waiting weeks to talk about this. Yes, book. we
0: read this book like first. Like, it's just got knocked back a little while in the recording list. Yes. Um, And I'm going to jump ahead
1: a bit because I think it's a fun story Mm -hmm. of how we found this book. Well, I found it in a little free library on the street, which is where I get a lot of my reading materials. Even though, as someone with a master's in library science, I'm pretty vehemently against little free libraries.
0: (gasps) You are? Why?
1: Because they work to defund actual public libraries because people put them up and then the government will be like well we don't need to give money to libraries but you notice they're only in like wealthy areas that can afford to already buy books that's really sad and also the whole organization is like kind of a shitty nonprofit um they charge a lot to put it up and they'll like if people put up their own versions they'll sue the shit out of you to take it down
0: that's really sad because as like just the casual way that they function i think is really nice
1: i they're they're a great idea but in execution, it serves to benefit communities who don't need the help accessing books.
0: Oh, no, you're right. Absolutely.
1: So do I still use them? Yes. Is there a lot of issues with them? Also,
0: yes. Okay.
1: But anyway, so I found this book in a little free library after after my read, though.
0: Well, I'm glad to be informed. I didn't know any of that. Yeah,
1: it's a, actually in one of my library classes. We had a whole discussion about, like, the whole system and how it functions and if it's actually good or and in a lot of cases it just serves to justify why people say
0: we don't need libraries. That's very sad because we need libraries so bad.
1: Even if they don't have a podcast recording
0: studio. Yeah we need normal libraries.
1: Anyway so I found this book in a little free library and I saw it was historical fiction and this was around the idea we were toying with how to narrow the focus of our pod Because we were like,
0: oh, we'll have a book podcast. And then we were like, okay, we need like something more than just like a book podcast. We have to narrow
1: it down. There's too many books. So I pulled this one. I'm like, oh, my God, it's historical fiction. Perfect. That is going will be a great one for the pod. I thought it was going to be so good because the cover is so pretty.
0: It is. Google a picture of the cover. Again, The Spy by Paulo Coelho.
1: Yes. Um, it was, in fact... Not good.
0: Really bad. I'm so sorry. Here, let's just go straight into the synopsis so yes. you at least know what we're talking about. So, my favorite part is going to be this line that I'm about to hit you with right here. Get ready, everyone. Her only crime was to be an independent woman.
1: And I feel like you could say that about both of us, too.
0: Yeah, I mean, T, we're the same as Mata Hari. So, the rest of it is... When Mata Hari arrived in Paris, she was penniless. Within months, she was the most celebrated woman in the city. As a dancer, she shocked and delighted audiences. As a courtesan, she bewitched the era's richest and most powerful men. But as paranoia consumed a country at war, Mata Hari's lifestyle brought her under suspicion. In 1917, she was arrested in her hotel room at the Champs-Élysées and accused of espionage. Told in Mata Hari's voice through her final letter, the spy is the unforgettable story of a woman who dared defy convention and who paid the ultimate price. So, I mean, in that part, Sounds other like great, other than the extremely tacky first sentence, like you're like, oh my gosh, a story of espionage and intrigue. Like Matahari is very famous, and she would be a fantastic subject for a book. Um, unfortunately, this book is not good at all. No, um, and mainly its problems are that it doesn't really reflect. Matahari as a person
1: I didn't really know much about her going in and after reading this I'm like well, she we was still kind don't know that much awful
0: yeah here <laughs> Which so I'm sure she wasn't yeah I will say probably so far this season Paulo Colo is our most and I'm I'm so sorry about his last name the inflections in it are not like ones that I use in my yes. you know That's normal it. accent so we're doing our best with his last name um, but he is probably the most famous of any of the authors that we've yeah, read. Yeah, I would say. And he varies. He has a pretty large back catalog. I don't think he's primarily a historical fiction author. And honestly, I was writing up a little thing about um, like describing his life. But I think the most succinct way to do it is to go with what is provided to us in yeah. the back jacket of this book. So I'm just going to read that. Paulo Coelho's life remains the primary source of inspiration for his books. You can tell that if you read The Spy. Um, He has flirted with death, escaped madness, dallied with drugs, withstood torture, experimented with magic and alchemy, studied philosophy and religion, read voraciously, lost and recovered his faith, and experienced the pain and pleasure of love. In searching for his own place in the world, he has discovered answers for the challenges that everyone faces. He believes that within ourselves, we have the necessary strength to find our own destiny paulo coelho has sold more than 200 million books worldwide his work is published in 81 languages and he is the most translated living author in the world is that
1: true i guess it's true i mean apparently
0: this is his publisher but he's like he has written more than 30 books Mm -hmm. um the spy came out in 2016 and he's released two books since then so it's pretty early on in his career Um, and like this said he's the most most well known for the alchemist which came out in 1988
1: so have you ever read anything else by him? Because I have not.
0: I hadn't either. Um, and The Alchemist is definitely the one that he is the most famous for, but he has had a few recent books that were also big hits. He read. Uh, he wrote a book called Adultery that I remember seeing the cover of very prominently in bookstores for a really long time. But his work kind of reflects what I just read to you. He's yeah. very philosophical. He's really focused on the idea of the occult and magic, but he is still Catholic which I think gets him into some hot water because when he's talking about all of this hippie stuff, the Catholics are like, hey, we don't like any of that. The Catholics Um, don't like
1: much saying that as a Catholic.
0: No, but, you know, if you, like, do drugs and stuff, I think that's okay if the Catholics are like, we don't tell people to do that. Um, (laughs) So I also, this is from uh, Wikipedia, so it's not like, you know, don't take take it with a grain of salt, but I added it in because I thought this sentence was very telling, for what we thought about the spy. And the sentence is, reviews of Kolo's later work consistently note its superficiality.
1: Okay,
0: interesting. And there were three footnotes linked to that sentence, and one of them was a review for the spy, which we will get to later. So we 100% agree that this book is a really superficial representation of Matahari.
1: And to that note, I think we should actually go in a little bit different order for this episode, mm-hmm. which, sorry to spring that on you now, I meant to say mm-hmm. earlier. Um, if we could actually go into some of the history of Matahari and the historical accuracy first, I think that'll add good context for our listeners.
0: Yeah, great idea. No, we can hop right in. The sad thing about this book, honestly, when I was researching the history of Matahari, because I am familiar with her, but not in detail. Yes. None of the broad strokes of this were wrong. He kind of got a lot of things correct. Mm-hmm. So Matahari was born, uh, Margaretha Zell, in the Netherlands, uh, and she lived kind of a quiet life there. And she was known for being stunningly beautiful. And we have less clarity on this than in the book. She wants to to leave the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. In the book, she wants to see the world and have yeah. adventure. And I could see that being a real yeah, motivation for the real Matahari, who. In the book and in real life meets her husband by answering an ad he placed he placed in the newspaper um and she married this man who is an army officer and Mm -hmm. he took her off to indonesia with him where he was stationed uh he was known to be abusive that again is in the book as in real life almost everything i'm saying here is in the book as in real life um like i said the broad outlines of matahari's life are reflected accurately in the book Mm -hmm. they have a child there but she leaves Uh, leaves her husband because he is abusive she's not able to retain custody of her child from there she goes to france goes to paris and takes what she knows from seeing dancers in indonesia and essentially becomes uh, a dancer in france in paris and she becomes big by kind of sprinkling what at the time was called orientalism into the style of her dances and into mm-hmm. her costuming because that was seen as very exotic and yes. sexual in a way that is like very problematic mm-hmm. now, but like you know, of
1: course, yeah, that's
0: how it was. Um, not that that's okay, but we're explaining her life and that's how it was. Uh, so she was famous for using that as an element of her dances and also because she was willing to be nude in public basically. Mm-hmm. And actually, this was something that I found independently that was not in the book it didn't need to be this is a very small detail but often she would strip down to everything but she would have like a jeweled like bra on okay and you'd think like okay if you're like taking off your panties why are you wearing a bra and it's because she was self-conscious that her boobs were small oh my god okay me I know Well, I'm like you know show them off Mata do whatever you want um <laughs> but no life. she was like as she is on the cover of this book which we said is very beautiful she was like very sparkly she was dripping or in dating, gems yeah. yeah she was a very elegant she was a very beautiful woman if you see photos of her and her name that she chose Madahari means son in Malay in mm-hmm. a language that they speak in Indonesia in the book she just makes it up apparently yeah. like it's not told it's why okay, she comes up with, it's not told why she comes up with that name but you know mm-hmm. if you're taking your clothes off on stage people use pseudonyms for that people yeah. still do that and then the conflict of the book takes place around World War I, when France and Germany are warring against each other. Uh, and in real life, what happened is because she was a famous, beautiful woman, she had a lot of powerful lovers. Um, these were men who weren't necessarily paying her to sleep with them, but kind of a more nebulous exchange in which they, everyone benefited, and she gave them sex, and they gave her money. It was much, you know, not a transaction, but kind of one. And the French recruited her to seduce the Crown Prince of Germany. So they actually recruited her into intelligence first. And it was noted from what I found that they were doing this hoping that he had information for them, but he really didn't have that much information oh, that would okay. have been valuable to French forces at the time. Yes, um, the French weren't really winning the war, but they weren't losing it either. It was very kind of even handed between them and the Germans. Um, but Mata Hari did go off to Germany um, to try and make her connections. And then she was basically also offered to work in German intelligence. She asked for money. They gave it to her. And she didn't really give them much information. Uh, she was a very poor spy for them. Mm-hmm. And they were angry about that. And essentially in retaliation, they sent a telegram in a code oh, that shit. they knew the French had already broken saying – Agent H21 has not given us information, and then just made it clear that Agent H21 was, was Matahari.
1: Oh, interesting. Yes. So that's okay. how
0: she was caught. So basically, then she was executed for being a double agent, um, for tr- for treason to France during okay. the war. See,
1: none of that came through in the book for me.
0: Yeah, which is interesting because like Paula Coelho is like in theory hitting a lot of those beats, yeah. but you're not understanding them. No. Um. But the the mystery of Matahari and why she has lived on as this like mythical figure is because she was, you know, a, the beautiful woman brought down. And also because it's a question of, she was executed for being a spy, was she one? Yeah. You know, Was she spying for France or was she spying for Germany? Because she had taken money from both yeah. places. Um, but I think the historical consensus is that she did not materially provide any benefit to Germany. And that she didn't really do it for France either, but that's not a crime. Um, the crime is what she ostensibly was doing for Germany. Yeah. So it's not um, a time to be
1: a bad spy.
0: Mm-hmm. So she was executed by firing squad. And this was some beef I have with the book at the very beginning of the book. Erin, maybe you don't remember this, so I will show you. There is a photo of Matahari standing in a field in front of a firing squad. Uh-huh. You're presented with this photo, yeah. and that's it. And I was like, oh, my God. Is there a photo of, like, Matahari being executed? It's a still from a movie about her.
1: Oh, my God. There's no
0: caption. And I Googled this photo, and the movie came up. So it was like, Jesus. oh. So they
1: lead you to think it's real.
0: Yeah. Um, which, I which issue with that. Because there's lots of photos of the real Matahari. So, of course, you might believe that presented with this one that it's real. Anyway. Um, and this is a little snippet that didn't come up in the text of the book, but came up in the author's note at the end. Apparently... It was habit at the time. If you were executed by the French government, they would cut off your head and keep it. Oh, they did that to everybody apparently, not just to Matahari. Um, but Matahari's head has been stolen, and no one knows where it is.
1: Which, if you are good listeners, know where it is.
0: Yeah, please turn it. it in. <laughs> please give it back. And the crazy thing is, it's not like the mu. It was stored in like a museum. Yeah, not like on display, but like you know, in the archives of the museum. Well, and it's not like they were like, "Oh, it was here yesterday." Like they went to go check it in the year two thousand. She got executed during World War One, by the way. <laughs> and so it, just somewhere. And along it was the not line. there. And they were like, "We don't know Jesus. when it was taken." Yeah. So it could have been gone for decades. Oh my god. So that is like not even really related to the book, but that was just crazy to me that I was like, one, that they were keeping Mata Hari's head at a museum, and two, that someone took it and we don't know where it is.
1: There's just a note here in Grace's note that
0: all capital letters. Her head? Like, I was at the very end of the book, and it's just like, blah, 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 Matahari's legacy, blah, 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 we don't know where her head is. And I was like, what?
1: So, before we move into talking about the book, just our usual disclaimer that our judgments come based on the books and the characters as a work of historical fiction, not passing judgment on the actual Matahari um, or anyone else in the book, and that, like Hamnet, originally, this was our. Hamnet is our sole point of reference ever. Yes. Um, This is based on an actual person, so we take that a lot more seriously. Yes.
0: But honestly, I feel like it would be difficult to pass judgment on the real Matahari based on the context of this book. Because I feel like this book was so removed from any real person. The
1: book was terrible. Yeah. I came out of it. Well, I know I said that at the start. I'm like, this made me hate her. She seemed terrible. And then I took a step back. I'm like... No, this book was terrible. I'm like she was probably a real person with actual motivations.
0: Yeah, what came up a lot for me researching this book is that basically Paulo Coelho loves to just put these like philosophical speeches into his books and he kind of does it regardless of whether or not it fits the characters and that absolutely is true of Hari. Like yes. there's just a bunch of random stuff in this book. And the thing is like from that description that I gave you, she had a really rich life full of things that like Are just intriguing to people. She's famous for sex and espionage and wrongful death and like all of these really intriguing things. Show
1: about her, not this book. Yeah,
0: or even just the period of her life where she's like in Indonesia with this abusive husband that she met through the newspaper. Mm -hmm. Like I'm like any part of this woman's life could be a fascinating full length book. And this is an 180 pages. It's real short. We're whipping through the However, facts. However, it took me so long to read it. Oh, my gosh. We're whipping through the facts of her life at, like, breakneck speed. And we're, like, not getting anything. Matahari rose to fame by being a dancer. And we see her dance one time. And we're not told how she learned to do it.
1: No, that was one of my questions, was how did she learn how to dance? Yeah,
0: we're led to believe that she watches Indonesian dancers one time.
1: And then picks it up. And then
0: a woman... Kills herself in front of Matahari, which is which not a.
1: That was crazy.
0: That was really weird. Um, don't think that happened. As far as I'm aware, that didn't, didn't happen. Um, and then Matahari is like, oh, I will become a dancer because this woman has freed me or whatever. Like, it made no sense. Like, all of my notes going through is just like, this speech is weird. This speech is weird because these people are just talking in paragraphs. It felt
1: so inauthentic.
0: Not about things that happened to Matahari.
1: They. How they'd speak like how you would expect a pretentious writer to write dialogue.
0: Yeah, and everything, everything skips. Like this is what we were talking about with when you're writing historical fiction that's based on real people. Yeah. Because you know what happened to them, you have beats you have to hit. Yes. And like a Maggie O'Farrell is able to kind of weave it in like a bit more naturally mm-hmm. about like all of the facts of Shakespeare's life. But this book is like if Maggie O'Farrell had written Hamnet and then ended one chapter being like, and then Hamnet died. And then the opening opening of the next chapter is like, 20 years later, Shakespeare wrote Hamlet. Like, that is what Maggie O'Farrell managed to eke into a whole book. Like, I feel like Paulo Coelho doesn't even like Matahari, Like, I don't think he's even interested in her. I don't think he's interested in her at all. Like, he probably actually did come upon her and be like, oh my gosh, this is a great subject for a book. But the way that this reads is that his agent was like, Okay, Paulo, you have to write a book this year. Um, how about Matahari? And he was like, "Fine."
1: And that And then makes, he wrote it in one sitting. And that begs the question, is this just another male author who cannot write women?
0: I mean, her only crime was to be an independent woman,
1: which may be true for us. Don't know if that was true for her. Oh
0: my gosh, it was just so funny. Like <laughs> we weren't shown anything happening like she was just talking to people the whole time we were only told that things happened like after they already did it was very show don't tell like there was a part that i marked in the book that i was like these are the worst lines in the whole book (laughs) it's during the part where she is like being a double agent quote unquote Uh and someone asks her why are you being followed and she says, because I am beautiful, seductive, and famous.
1: That literally sounds like something I would tweet.
0: Like, imagine referring <laughs> not, to yourself out loud as seductive.
1: That is not something people say. It's
0: crazy. No, he doesn't know how to write women at all. Um, she came
1: across as so vain and unlikable, mm-hmm. which I can't imagine. Matahari was at least maybe she was, maybe not to this extent.
0: No. Well, and she was one-dimensional. Yeah, that's the thing. In real life, Matahari was a woman who like moved from country to country. She had an abusive husband. She had a child whose custody she was trying to gain back, mm-hmm. who she was unable to gain back because she was a nude dancer. Um, she was executed wrongfully, as history yeah. has kind of decided that like she was executed because she made a good public scapegoat for France because yeah. she was already famous, and she was, like I said, a beautiful woman yeah. brought down. Um, but we get none of her dance. We don't get any of her fame. We don't get any time with her lovers. At the very end of the book, there's a brief mention of her having a Russian boyfriend who was blind, and something about the detail that he was blind. I was like, "That's a real person. Mm-hmm. That is a real person. That tracks." He's mentioned, I think, for like one sentence, and then that's it. And in real life, whoever this man was was like the love of Matahari's life. And He's as just like I
1: was a side character. Yeah,
0: like as I was reading it, I was like, I can tell that this person is important, and that. Paulo Coelho is not going to cover them at all. Oh, yeah. Because the way that this book works is the intro is like a couple of pages and it's showing you Matahari's execution mm-hmm. so that you know she's going to be executed. And then I would say the bulk of the book, like three fourths of it, is Matahari telling her life story to her lawyer who's trying to get her pardoned. Um, it, it makes no sense why she's telling her whole story to her lawyer. That doesn't really, it's not necessary.
1: And my biggest question from that was. The format of the actual book letters were not the right format to tell this in because if no. it so show don't tell and it it almost it makes sense a bit that it was if okay it's a letter it's obviously very condensed but that's not the point we want to know what happens and there was so much left out that I had no idea what was this going
0: book on. could have been so long it's so hard to do Matahari's whole life in 180 pages and then the last like fifth of the book maybe is. The lawyer oh, that was even writing worse. to her, yeah, and it was so weird because he was like, "I thought you were guilty, and now I have condemned you to death." Like, blah blah blah. But I loved you all along. I like, was
1: so confused by that. It made thing.
0: yeah, it made no sense at all. The very last here, I'm finding it again. The very last line of the book is um, from the perspective of the, the lawyer. So be it. Go with God, my beloved. Like what? She didn't even like him. Um, so it's just about how Matahari is um like a vindictive slut who gets men to fall in love with her and she sucks. And yeah. then but she got executed but because her only crime was to be an independent woman.
1: And this book is so interesting to me because it's the idea of an independent woman. There's actually a quote I have here that says, we all know I won't be killed because of the stupid allegation of espionage, but because I decided to be who I always dreamed, and the price of a dream is always high. And I do feel this was supposed to be the theme, mm-hmm. especially about a woman you know, whose only crime was to be independent. Mm-hmm. And the novel does not meet the expectation of that theme. And I think it's so interesting because we've read a lot of books that focus mainly on women in the history of women. Whether real or not, like Fruit of the Drunken Tree was about the author's experience, Snowflower was not about a specific woman or set of women, but about women in a time period. And I feel like those books did so much more justice, while at the same time leaving out some of the context. Because Fruit of the Drunken Tree, Trula was a child, she couldn't have known everything going on. Snowflower, the women were so separated and siloed in society that they weren't able to know everything going on. But In this, the context is just willfully not there on the part of the author.
0: Yeah, he's reducing it down to something much simpler than what it is, which is a big disservice to the story, and honestly kind of makes it a soap opera. Yeah. Like, there's one point where this woman who we never see again is like, Mata, never fall in love, never give your heart to a man. And it's like, very, like, okay, this is like a very stock speech. It's Um, very much
1: like your friend just got ghosted and she's drunk in the club yeah trust a man it was
0: exactly like that like it it didn't give any nuance to like clearly the real matahari made some poor decisions Mm -hmm. like none of what she did should have led to her execution but in that political climate like asking money for the germans like what hubris led her to do that What lack of knowledge led her to do that? Like those are interesting questions to explore. What, how, what she did spiraled out of control so rapidly. This wasn't even really an examination of Matahari's like of the political climate that surrounded her. Like there was a little bit of attempt to do that. Um, There was some multiple references to this thing called the Dreyfus Affair. Yes, and Paula Coelho was really trying. To draw the connection between that and Matahari. And that was a good idea.
1: Was not executed. It
0: wasn't executed well enough. It wasn't terrible. Like, given the context of everything yeah. else, like we've been really ripping into this book and we're not done. Um, it just wasn't given enough enough context. Essentially, the Dreyfus affair was something that happened like 20 years before Matahari was executed, where um a man named Alfred Dreyfus was wrongfully convicted of treason mm-hmm. and then like banished um and then it came out several years later that he was had been wrongfully yeah. convicted
1: so there are a lot of parallels
0: yeah so it would have been great honestly to pull that together and it's partially because um Alfred Dreyfus was Jewish that he was like made a scapegoat yeah. and especially if Paulo Coelho wanted to be that make this connection of like Matahari was um, like, this happened to her because she was a woman, yeah. then that could have been a great connection. Because that's not, like, that's not the whole story, but that's not an element that you can ignore, either. No, and it was... Like, she was easy to make a scapegoat of, yeah. partially because she was famous, but also because she was a woman who took off her clothes.
1: And the Dreyfus affair just felt so disjointed in there that it, it didn't connect for me. I'm like, this is just being brought up a lot. hmm And it's, again, this is what makes me contrast this to Fruit of the Drunken Tree and Snowflower Because there was a lot of political context that wasn't explicitly in the book. Mm -hmm. But it made sense for it not to be. And it worked because the narrators were not in a position to be sharing that with the reader. We had to connect those dots ourselves. But the author of The Spy really wanted us to connect the dots. But didn't do it in a way where the narrator was giving us what we needed for.
0: Yeah. See, when there were those two or three mentions of the Dreyfus Affair, that showed me a flash of, like, this is, like if there was more of this and more writing in this style and more connections like this, then this letter epistolary format could have worked. Mm -hmm. Like there were brief flashes where I was like, this is the start of a novel of a good historical fiction novel. If you lengthen it, if you pull in these other elements, um, but that they were brief um, and they weren't reflective of how the rest of the book was constructed.
1: And I think it's interesting to compare the framing of this one because it's She's writing these letters in prison. She's reflecting back on all of this. Snowflower, Lily was also reflecting back on all of her experiences. Mm
0: -hmm. And to an extent, so was Chula from Fruit of the Dragon Tree. Yeah, exactly.
1: So we've read, I keep comparing these three, but we've read these three that all have similar-ish framing devices. And this one flops so badly when the others, I feel like we really gained something from having that bit of a, we know the outcome already. We know, but it's how do we get there?
0: And I just don't think the spy It doesn't show you how that. we get there. No. No, it doesn't give us that political climate that leads to a person being executed wrongly. Yes. It doesn't give us that. I and especially when you think about Matahari is one of the most famous people that we've read books about so far. Yeah. Not every book that we've read so far is about a famous person. Matahari is very very well known. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of media about her. If you look up like books, movies, TV shows, there are lots of Matahari stuff like things. Um, actually, the thing that I most know Matahari for outside of her, like, you know, the media that I know that's associated with her is there was a flop Matahari musical that premiered here in DC. In case you
1: didn't know, um, Grace is indeed a theater kid.
0: Yes, I am, and I'm proud of it. But the Matahari musical was such a flop that it like, the only production of it happened here in D.C. It was supposed to go to Broadway. And then it like ran for four hours. There was a fire. They accidentally shone a spotlight on the actress playing Mata Hari when she was naked when they weren't <gasps> supposed to. And um, the first lady was there. I believe it was Lady Bird Johnson that was there. Oh my God. And so they never made it to Broadway because it was such a disaster. Uh, much like this book. Uh, <laughs> But th- like we said, this book came out in 2016. This was one of Paulo Coelho's, like really recent books. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, you're writing on a figure that has already been such a focus of the media. Do you have anything worthwhile to add? Yeah. You know, Maggie O'Farrell brought Hamnet into the public eye. Like I think not a lot of people knew about Hamnet. Um, and there has been some things on Anne Hathaway, but she brought a new perspective. When Lisa C. wrote Snowflower... That was she was shining light on a language that had been lost, yes. on this lost woman's language. When Ingrid Rojas Contreras wrote *Fruit of the Drunken Tree*, our compa- those are our comparison books. When Ingrid Rojas Contreras wrote *Fruit of the Drunken Tree*, she was writing her perspective on things that had happened to her when she was a child. Yes. Um, it doesn't seem to me like there was a reason for him to write about Matahari, except that he just decided to because he had to put a book out because he hadn't put one out in a yeah, couple years. Exactly. Like it just was so slapdash. And I keep harping on this, but the length really gave that away. Oh, There was no reason for this book to be 180 pages.
1: This book could have been 1,000 pages.
0: Yeah. Easily. And, like, if you want to just write a snippet, like, that's fine. You can just pick, like, a fracture of her life. Don't
1: try to do her – don't try to do anyone's life justice in like hundred. unless they were
0: really boring <laughs> like she just lived like a really packed life even Hamnet didn't live that long and he got a full book yeah he got more like you know he didn't die until he got more 200. Patient, You 200. Know? um so like if you wanted to write like a sad novella about the lawyer trying to recover from the guilt of matahari's execution that could fit in 180 pages because yeah. that's a fictional character and you don't need the whole backstory of Mata Hari to be, to, no, to get there. No, and that there.
1: would have added a fresh perspective.
0: Yeah, or, I don't know, just the part of her life when she was in Indonesia, or just like, what was she thinking in her last 24 hours? Like, there are ways that you can frame it to fit that length, but he, I, I think he wrote this quickly. That's the thing, I just yeah. think he just slapped down, sent it to his publisher, he's really famous, so they don't edit his stuff as, uh, you know, with as much exactly. scrutiny, I suppose. And it came out, and it was really bad. And I am not the only person who thinks it was really bad. Now I will read for you the review that I found from Wikipedia.
1: And I'm so excited because I haven't heard this yet.
0: Yes, I kept this a secret. So this is a review that came out January 16, 2017, so shortly after the book was released, in the Sydney Morning Herald uh, by an author named Cameron Woodhead. So thank you, Cameron, for your contribution. And it's only about a paragraph, so I am going to read it in its entirety. Here we go. I'm excited. Stop me when you have comments, Erin. Okay. Brazilian novelist Paulo Coelho has sold hundreds of millions of books, rising to fame with his esoteric parable, The Alchemist, in the late 80s. Opinion of his work is starkly divided, particularly by the author's penchant for peppering his novels with snatches of cod wisdom that can sound suspiciously like platitudes of the self help variety.
1: Yeah, that, yeah.
0: Yeah, we both agree that that happens. Uh, That quirk is manifest, too, in The Spy, a novella about Mata Hari, the Dutch exotic dancer and double agent, that is both too short and too slapdash to detain anyone interested in this fascinating woman for long. Again, we agree that the real Mata Hari is so much more interesting than this book lets on. Uh, Nor Hmm. does Koilo mind the psyche of his subject with any conviction. You are better off reading a biography. Yeah,
1: a biography would have been more enjoyable. Yes,
0: and Cameron goes on to say... To uh recommend to us Pat Shipman's excellent Femme fatale, Love Lies and the Unknown Life of Matahari. So if you would okay. like to read about Matahari, we recommend Pat Shipman's memoir or Pat Shipman's biography as recommended to us by Cameron Woodhead of the Sydney Morning Herald.
1: Okay, see, I actually want to check that out because I was more interested in the history section you shared on this podcast than I was the entire
0: book. Mm-hmm. See, and like I don't even wanna say that this is a unique situation to like go so surface level on this because in preparation for like doing research for this episode i started a documentary about matahari it wasn't like a full-length one it was like one of those hour-long TV documentaries but you know yeah exactly journalism is journalism um and i got maybe 15 minutes of the way through it but they just kept talking like they kept using the word sexy like And I get that you have to talk about that as part of the narrative, 100%. Like, her whole appeal, her fame hinged on her sex appeal. But the frequency with which they were doing it and the way that they fixated on it, I was like, oh, they're just trying to be salacious. Yeah. Like, much like Paulo Coelho is just, like, using the veneer of this story, which is very melodramatic, Mm -hmm. to not come to any, like, more in-depth conclusions, which are so could so easily be reached and that's the heartbreaking thing is that this is a swing and a miss on like an easy A like a book about Madahari could be so good easily cuz her story naturally is really good oh
1: it's naturally interesting and this is just so sad that you still see stuff coming out in 2016 coming out recently i think of the same thing with that new Marilyn Monroe movie that came out that just focuses on yeah on like yeah. a sex icon which is what this kind of does and it takes these fascinating women and it boils them down to just the bare minimum, what's going to sell a ticket, what's going to sell a book. And, and it falls so flat.
0: And people's criticism about that movie is kind of the same with this book, which is like, she was such an interesting person, and they made up stuff that didn't happen to her to put in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, that flop, good connection there.
1: Yeah, so I think Superficial, as we started the episode with, is the perfect way to describe this, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: Yeah should we swing into the calculator? It'll be funny. So.
1: I think you know how this is going to go. All right. So. As you
0: all know, our data scientist Ashley made us this calculator for us to try and rank in a bit more of a analytical manner what we think of these books and then we're comparing them to the way that we rated on StoryGraph based on vibes.
1: I'll get us started today. So the five categories are historical accuracy, vibes, so just whether we personally resonated this with this or not. Prose, originality, and characters. Now, as I'm sure you can guess, our rankings for this one, pretty
0: low. Quite low.
1: Historical accuracy, I put it as a one because even though you gave us a good description of how in the broad strokes, nothing's really wrong, I was so confused and I feel like so many important elements of her life were left out that to me, the historical accuracy just wasn't there.
0: Yeah, it wasn't used in the proper way.
1: No. No. And then for vibes, gave it a one, hated it. Um, prose two because I there were some good sections. Um, for the most part, I didn't like the prose, but it it was okay. Originally, also two, just because I haven't read anything about Matahari. Um, I think there's a lot of other directions he could have taken this book and just didn't. And characters one because the only real character we got any sense of was Matahari, and she was painted as vain and completely
0: unlikable. So yeah. And what does that average out to, Erin?
1: Averages out to a 1.4, and I gave it a one on story graph.
0: There you go. Um, Mine, historical accuracy, I gave it a 2, again, because, like, not a lot was wrong, but it was not utilized correctly, and it was confusing to read. Vibes, 1. Prose, 2. Clearly, Paulo Coelho knows how to write at least a little. He just doesn't know how to separate his very distinct writing style from his subject, and that was the problem here. Originality, two. It's very sad because, like, a book about Matahari again, is a great idea. But he just wasn't able to pull it off. And characters, one, for the same reasons. They were all caricatures. Uh, So that's an average of 1.6. And I think on StoryGraph I gave this a two, which honestly is maybe a bit generous. Maybe more like a 1.5.
1: So I think we know what our rating is. Flop. Official flop.
0: We don't even have to consider a fine or even even a five. This Um, book is a flop. Resoundingly,
1: Paulo. If you want to come on the podcast and fight us and defend your honor, please. We invite you here. If
0: you'd rather we just read *The Alchemist*, then I, I that's am fine. interested in reading
1: *The Alchemist* because I have heard very good things about that.
0: Yeah, but honestly, I don't know if I'll read another one of his books. Like, yeah, I don't know. This if is I want like to. probably not a good one to start with. Like, I'm sure he has better ones, but you know, this I'm not that interested. This is the one we
1: found in the little free library, so
0: so fate has brought us to it.
1: All right, so next week we're going to be reading The Henna Artist by Alka Joshi. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. If not, I'll correct myself in time for the next episode.
0: Yes, and a lot of you have read that, I think, because I believe it's part of Reese's Book Club. Ooh, okay. Yes, so hopefully a lot of you have read it and are excited for us to talk about it.
1: And if you have other books you've read you think we should read, we have a recommendation form in the bio of our social profiles, which will all be found at fiberflop underscore pod. So if you have any ideas for what we should read on any of our upcoming seasons, please let us know.
0: And if you want to email us, you can reach us at fiverfloppodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com.
1: And until then, happy reading.